you know, we can try to turn this into a bigger issue. We can try to turn this into, you know, this, this whole story about redemption and this kind of thing. But at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is, was this an appropriate fit for this specific job? Maybe you're wondering why you've been hearing the name Bernstein a lot this week. I'm attorney Sam Bernstein. When you're hurt in an accident, you need someone who is on your side. No, not that Bernstein. But you're getting warmer. And you're not hearing about University of Michigan Regent Mark Bernstein. He's Sam Bernstein's son. But rather, Sam Bernstein's younger son, also a Michigan Supreme Court Justice, Richard Bernstein. This Bernstein. Life's not fair, but judges should be. I may be blind, but my vision for Michigan is fairness. A Supreme Court that follows the law and protects your rights. A decision Justice Bernstein made last week has raised the very question of what is fair in the justice system. That decision has caused some rarely seen public division on the state's highest court and cost one court clerk his job. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. Today we're going to explain this rift between Justice Bernstein and his colleague that has landed Bernstein in some hot water. And when there are seven justices, you always have to be conscious of how whatever decision you make is going to impact your colleagues and the other folks that are kind of in that building. Okay, so here's what happened last week. Justice Bernstein went to the Detroit News to talk about a grievance with a hiring decision by the newest jurist on the high court, Justice Kyra Harris-Bolden. Bolden added to her staff a highly regarded clerk and legal expert named Pete Martell. Martell served time in prison for an armed robbery that he committed when he was a teenager, a robbery that ended in a shootout with police. There were no injuries to officers. And Justice Richard Bernstein said that he thought Martell should not have been hired as a clerk because of his past. Not every jurist agrees. So this clerk, uh, he came highly recommended reportedly from former Chief Justice Bridget McCormick. That's Colin Jackson, reporter with the Michigan Public Radio Network. He attended uh, the Gerald R. Ford School of Public Policy at U of M, uh, law school at Wayne State. He has been working for years in advocacy, uh, working specifically with improving prison conditions and um, just criminal justice reform. But years ago, back in the mid-90s, he committed a robbery where essentially he shot at the police during the course of this robbery, served over a decade in prison. And Justin Bernstein's concerns were some crimes you commit just stay with you and disqualify you from certain positions. And from his perspective, because the Supreme Court deals so much with law enforcement cases, he thought someone who at some point in their life, regardless of the redemption arc of their life after that, shouldn't be working for the Michigan Supreme Court if they had shot at police. You had a chance to speak with Justice Bernstein recently, and he, you asked him to walk you through how he first found out that this clerk, Pete Martell, was working for Justice Harris Bolden. Let's take a listen. Here's some of what he told you. This is not really a, a, a commentary on him individually. I think that what this really comes down to is it's really the notion that the Supreme Court really has to be a place of neutrality. It's absolutely critical. And I just felt that at this situation, you know, you, you, you reach a point where like the situation, and again, it's, it's not a commentary 
you know, I, I'm not really wanting to talk about him kind of on an individual basis. My concern over this was that ultimately, when you when you look at a situation like this, is there's really just a certain level of respect that we have to have for law enforcement. And I was very, very upset about this situation because it really just comes down to the notion that as a person with a severe disability, as a person who is blind, you know, people who are blind tend to basically have to face, you know, we tend to get picked on a lot and we tend to be targets in many situations of uh, of crime. And so law enforcement plays a critical role for people with disabilities. It gives us our freedom, they give us our independence, and they ultimately give us a tremendous quality of life. Okay, so uh, just to, just to break this down here, we we should mention, of course, that as he mentioned, Justice Bernstein uh, is is white and he is visually impaired, as as you heard him talking about there. Colin, it sounds like he didn't really answer your question. Do you get a sense he's trying to soften his message? I do a little bit. I think that from his perspective, he when he did the original interview, uh, the Detroit News broke this story. I think he predicted that he would face a lot of backlash. Uh, Justice Bernstein was nominated along with Justice Bolden uh, from the Democratic Party. They campaigned together in several there were billboards, including here, many here in Lansing by my apartment. Uh, and I think part of that message when he was campaigning was criminal justice reform. Uh, making sure that everyone's receiving justice, taking care of disparities within the criminal justice system, et cetera. So coming out and taking this position that someone who had essentially done the time or done the crime, then served the time and then worked on the life afterward, I think he knew that this would seem a little bit conflicting with some of his past messaging. So he really wanted to get the point out there that he didn't see this. He didn't want to focus so much on uh, Pete Martell itself, but his concern seemed more like more about the actual crime itself of firing at police, no matter what time it occurred. And for him, he didn't see it as an arguable point. Uh, he thought it's just something where this happened. You can do all these other things in life. But the way he really described it was he just didn't think that someone with that track record should be working for the court itself. So uh, Bernstein says that he does believe in second chances for people who are convicted of criminal criminal offenses and who have served their time but that a line should be drawn for what kind of second chances might be available to them. And he considers the state's highest court and clerking in those offices beyond that line. Did he have you noticed him saying anything about why he thinks clerking for the court should be out of reach? The main thing he kept coming back down to is the amount of interactions working for the court involves with law enforcement and how law enforcement would feel working with someone who at some point in their past uh, had shot at them. That from his perspective, it's a matter of respect uh, and how he didn't want law enforcement to have to come before the court, work before the court, prosecutors to work before the court to feel un- to feel disrespected. Um, he wanted everyone to feel like they have a neutral opportunity before the court. And he thought that advocacy, it really isn't the court's role. Is this really an appropriate match for our court for the work that we do. You know, we're we're not all guaranteed to get the jobs that we ultimately want to get. You know, as a blind person, I can't be an airline pilot, right? That's just not going to ultimately happen. 
So in this situation, you know, there's a number of wonderful opportunities that this person can have and that he can avail himself of and that he can ultimately do that will allow for the experience that he has to be used in a really positive, constructive way. The question here is, is it the right fit or the appropriate fit for the Michigan Supreme Court where basically when you talk about second chances and you talk about redemption, does that mean that you have the right to take any job that you want? Does that mean that you have the right to do anything that you want? Or does it really come back to this notion that, yes, there are certain decisions that we make in life and there are certain things that we do that have a long-standing impact that will be with us forever? I do think it's worth noting that uh, P. Martel, the individual in question, uh, he has, uh, he's worked with the state appellate defender's office. Uh, he's appeared on podcasts with the criminal, with the state uh, department of corrections in the past. So I'm not quite sure his entirety of his current relationship with law enforcement, but that does feel worth noting in this particular situation. So how did Justice Harris Bolden react to all this? I hadn't personally been able to get a hold of her. She did speak to uh, MERS News, um, which is a capital-based information newsletter, and she seemed like she was confused. She mentioned that she thought his story was inspirational to returning citizens, um, that it was an example of changing your life and showing that you could, I believe the quote she gave MERS was, you can change your life and possibly clerk at the highest court in the state. Uh, later in the day, though, uh, once Martel resigned, she released a, a statement that was very brief through the Michigan Supreme Court. Quote, I have accepted Pete Martell's resignation. He did not want to be a distraction or in any way divert the court from its important work. I respect his decision and do not intend to comment further. We have to take a short break. We'll be back with more in a minute. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from the University of Michigan's Go Blue Guarantee, committed to keeping a U of M undergraduate education within reach of all Michigan residents, regardless of socioeconomic status. Programs are available for all three campuses. More at goblueguarantee.umich.edu. Support for Michigan Public's Stateside Podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Colin, what are you hearing around Lansing about all this? It's interesting. People seemed a little surprised by it. I haven't had a lot of time to have really in-depth conversations. The news machine keeps running. But it did take a few people by surprise, especially uh, for me, what stood out in the original article in the Detroit News was that he hadn't spoke to Bolden uh, at that point, just be, despite the fact that they really campaigned on this side by side for all summer, for the better part of a year. Uh, Justice Bernstein said, now that the matter has been resolved in his eyes, he looks forward to repairing that relationship. Obviously, they'll have to work together just for a functioning judicial system, and that should be in, in the interest of all Michiganders, really. It does seem a little surprising, though. It's so rare to see disagreements between Supreme state Supreme Court justices aired out in the open like this. 
Justice Bernstein has received some public criticism for just going on blast uh, without talking to Justice Harris Bolden first. Do we know how that criticism has been received? I don't. I know that he's been open to talking with media, which is something that Supreme Court justices typically don't do, especially about their own personal opinions. Uh, The official word from the court is the court doesn't weigh in on staffing and personnel matters like this. Uh, They try really hard to avoid kind of these tabloid level bickering. It's not saying that this is specifically a tabloid situation, but they try to avoid gossip and staying out of the news for those reasons and keeping whatever they do formal to the actual work of the court. So it's interesting just to see him kind of stepping out. But one other thing he mentioned, though, is that he felt like because it's the Supreme Court and not the legislature where Justice Harris Bolden originated, every individual's decision reflects on the other six individuals on the court. And the way he saw it was he could either say something or tacitly approve the decision. Colin, I'm wondering what impact this might have on relationships on the court going forward. Have you heard anything? Uh, the court did uh, back Justice Elizabeth Clement as its Supreme, as its uh, Chief Justice. So that's been picked so far, at least. And that's notable even for itself, because Democratic appointed justice or Democratic nominated justices have a majority on the court. And Clement is a Republican nominated justice. So it seems like at least on that front, uh, the court seems to be under sturdy leadership. Uh, the one thing to keep in mind, though, is that happened before the story started to break. So whether this will significantly change the dynamic, I'm not sure. It does seem, though, that at the end of the day, uh, these are professionals on the Michigan Supreme Court, and hopefully they'll be able to put aside personal matters. Before we go, we wanted to note that Justice Richard Bernstein issued an apology this morning, not only to Justice Harris Bolden, but also to Pete Martell for dragging him into a public dispute. You can read the full apology in today's podcast show notes. That's it for today's podcast. I'm April Bear. You can find full stateside episodes for streaming anytime at michiganradio.org. Today's podcast was produced by our executive producer, Laura Weber Davis. Other producers on our show are Ronia Kabansag, Mike Blank, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Music for the pod comes from Blue Dot Sessions. It's good to have you with us today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.